verses 1 through 5, and then Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And this is the word of the Lord to us tonight. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So that means, you know, happy is everybody who's messed up and has been forgiven. While I kept silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then, finally, I acknowledged my sin to you. And I stopped hiding. I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions, my messing up to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. And then in Matthew, this is the incredible invitation to us this night from Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, page 12 in the New Testament section. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Did you have the text up there? Was it up there, the scripture? I hope. You know, it's the strangest feeling. I will stand here and come up here and read the scripture, and everybody is looking up at the screen. It's horrible. I almost asked Alicia not to put it up there. Was it up there? Yes. I know some people need to see it and so you can look at it. And I know the reasons for doing that, but it is the oddest thing when you're trying to connect with people and everybody's looking over there and go, hi, I'm here. Very strange. All right. When you go on a trip, as I imagine many of us have done this summer, do you ever manage to travel light? If you're like me, there is a resounding no. Or do you, like me, take everything but the kitchen sink? Do you travel light enough? You see those people, oh my gosh, they travel light enough to just walk onto the plane with their misty little carry-on bag. Unlike me, you know, I've already checked the maximum number of bags that I've staggered into the airport with. And then... I get on the plane and I'm, you know, going down that aisle and I'm bumping into people because I've got so much stuff with me. And I sit down in my chair, absolutely exhausted. I'm just hoping that my checked bag will actually get to the same destination as me. Apologies to the pilots in our presence. This summer, as you know, some of you know, I had the privilege and the joy of going on my sabbatical leave. And I went on a pilgrimage to France, to Scotland, and to England. And I went for six weeks. So I needed more than a carry-on bag, didn't I? 
I didn't know what the weather was going to be like for six weeks in Europe. I mean, it could be anything, right? Like it can here. So we've got to have everything for like four seasons. And I went to Taizé, the community in southern France. We're doing the worship music here more now. I had to take a sleeping bag. I had to take a pillow. I mean, I had to take my neck pillow for the plane. I mean, I had to take everything, right? I mean, what if I left behind the very thing that I needed? Oh, I've had wonderful conversations with people after the first two morning services. There are people who are like me, and there are people who have the one carry-on bag. Now, you've obviously realized I have great difficulty in traveling light, and I admit that. But I am recovering, you need to know. Last summer, when I took the single mission trip to Guatemala, I, too, got my stuff into that little black carry-on bag and put it self-righteously under the seat in front of me. But, of course, we only went for one week. But I will practice doing it again next summer when I go to Guatemala. And when you hear my story, I will never, ever, I publicly confess, I will never take as much luggage as I did this past summer. In the second week of my journey, I was in Paris. And I made the biggest mistake of my whole trip. I went down into the depths of the metro, the underground train system like the tube in London. I went down into the metro with all of my luggage. Now, there were two women in the 9 o'clock service this morning who amazingly remembered a sermon I gave years ago when I talked about the tube in London when I had tiny babies and car seats and lots of luggage. And they kind of looked at me as much as say, Rosalyn, you don't learn, do you? Well, no, I'm a slow learner, but I am finally learning after this summer. Now, picture this. You know the big black ones that everybody has, so we have a different little colored bow on the handle so we can identify it at the baggage claim? Okay, I'm pulling it with the handle, right? It's on wheels. But then I have a huge, um, what do we call them, duffel bag. That had the sleeping bag, the pillow, the shoes. That is, you know, the, the zipper's almost bursting. Then I have my carry-on bag. And, of course, by now, anybody else do this? It has everything in it that wouldn't fit in the other two bags. So that has expanded and expanded, okay? He's laughing. He's about to get married. Get a clue. All right. So then, and then I have my purse. All right? Now, the train journey was an absolute nightmare. It was bad enough lifting all of this, and it's very embarrassing by this point. I talked to some other people this morning who admitted to being embarrassed by the amount of luggage they carry. Um, getting on and off the trains, you know, in, in London they say, mind the gap, and you, you know, nearly fall down the hole between the platform and the train. I'm staggering on, you sit down, and I want to kind of say, I am here for six weeks, that's why I have so much stuff, you know. But then if you remember, in Europe, in the train stations, even the underground trains, there are great long corridors to walk. There are huge flights of stairs. It was horrible. I was near to tears so many times. Even if I knew how much the major suitcase weighed, I would not tell you. Um, by the end of this, my arms hurt so much, I am just trembling. And... I would come to one of these huge flights of stairs. I would leave three bags at the bottom. I would stagger up to the top thinking, go ahead, steal it. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, you probably kill yourself in the process. Only one person stopped to help me without being asked. People just rush by and thinking, oh, this is terrible. Oh, no, you, I have to tell you this bit. Have you been in stations now where you put your little ticket in and the thing pops open? Well, I couldn't get in, in through in time and the thing slammed shut on me. I am now pinned in the ticket turnstile, waiting for the next person to come along and open the wretched thing up. Thinking, this is horrible. And those wide suitcases, you can't pull them through those ticket thingies. So it had to go through this way. So I'm kicking the suitcase. <laughs> By the time I got to my destination, I tell you, I was not only weary, I was just a basket case. I was exhausted. I was bruised. The next morning, I bruised down the whole side of my body from this wretched duffel bag slamming me in the leg. So you get the picture. Why didn't I take a taxi? <laughs> so, this experience, which I hope will be my last ever like this, because it was taxis from there on out, it became, for me, a metaphor for my life. A picture of my life. You're busy laughing at me, but I'm going to ask you, how much baggage are you carrying? How much stuff are you dragging around with you that God doesn't want you to be carrying. We travel through life, don't we, carrying heavy burdens, extra baggage, dragging around all this stuff. In our text today, Jesus invites us to learn how to travel light. By learning from him how to live life differently. So after my ordeal on the metro in Paris, and as I continue to have to deal with the embarrassment and the burden of my luggage at every change point in the next six weeks on my pilgrimage, as a result, I wrote this, Traveling Light. We are carrying heavy burdens. We, are off, we often feel weighed down by life. We have piles of extra luggage, worry, resentment, guilt, and strife. Extra baggage is very expensive. It costs us dearly and steals our peace. It's like we're dragging heavy suitcases. We long for help. We need relief. But who will help us with our luggage? Will anyone stop and lend a hand? People rush by to their own destinations, but we cannot move. We can barely stand. The weight we're carrying is threatening to crush us. We cry for help, but no one hears. Why will no one stop to help us? Can't they see our struggles? Can't they see our tears? There is a friend who can lighten your burdens. There is a man who will share our load. He comes to relieve us of all our baggage. He walks beside us along the road. Jesus is the one who can help with our luggage. He'll forgive all our sin and heal our shame. If we give him our grudges, our anger, our hatred, he'll give us his peace in exchange for our pain. But are we ready to give up our burdens? Are we tired enough of dragging them around? Why don't we accept his offer to take our baggage? We can bring it to Jesus. 
and set it all down. Jesus invites us to travel more lightly, to let go of our burdens and learn how to rest. He'll teach us humility, gentleness, obedience. When we follow his example, we'll find his way is the best. So what are you weary of and burdened by tonight? What did you drag in here with you? Perhaps that you've got so used to carrying, you're almost unaware that you have this weight on your back. There are all kinds of things, aren't there, that weigh us down. I actually wrote a list of maybe 15 or 20, and I thought, I can't read that out. If they weren't burdened when they came in, they sure will be by the end of this. And then here comes this incredible invitation. The best one I think you've received all summer. Come here to me, all you who are working hard and carrying too much, and I will refresh you. Here, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, says Jesus, because I am gentle and simple at heart. And you will experience refreshing deep down in your life. You see, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's Dale Bruner's translation of our text tonight, and it's Dale who's speaking up at our church camp this weekend. And by the way, I said this morning, I'm glad we didn't all go to church camp, because it would be very, very lonely just preaching here to Terry. Jesus invites those of us who are having a hard time, those of us who feel overwhelmed, exhausted, weighed down, those who feel discouraged, inadequate, and failures. He invites all of us to come to him. He not only promises us refreshment and rest, but he also offers us equipment for carrying future burdens, and our responsibility. Now, he offers us a yoke, and you know that that's the wooden harness for a team of working animals, which seems a very strange thing, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem the last thing we need if we're trying to learn how to rest? But Jesus says that his yoke is easy. Now, I read that the Greek word for easy can mean well-fitting. Remember, Jesus was a carpenter. And maybe he was simply saying that my yoke fit well. And I imagine this lovely sign outside of Jesus' carpenter shop. It said, made to measure yokes, available here. Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give tired people is a new way to carry life. A new way of bearing responsibilities. Even if we wanted him to, Jesus is not offering us an escape. He means that obedience to his teaching, which is the taking on of the yoke, will develop in us a peace and a balance, a way of carrying life that will give more rest than we now find ourselves able to experience. Now that sounds very appealing to me, and I would imagine it does to you too. The burden that I think many of us carry that I want to talk about tonight is the burden of unforgiveness. Every time we tuck away a grudge or a resentment into that backpack of our lives, we begin to build up a burden, a weight, 
which we carry everywhere with us, whether we realize it or not. Now, that burden becomes heavier and heavier as the grudge turns into a resentment, turns into bitterness, turns into hatred. And you know, the irony is that um, someone has written that unforgiveness actually handcuffs us to the very person we refuse to forgive. So that person that you most want to forget, that person you hope never to see again, that person you most want to be rid of, you have actually chained right to your side by your refusal to forgive them. The first step for me in relieving this burden, in learning to travel light, is to acknowledge our own need for forgiveness. Whether we like to think of it in value or not, we are sinners. We have missed the mark, missed the target, Scripture calls it. We have failed to be what we might have been and could have been. Even though our name wasn't in the newspaper this weekend for some terrible thing, we have stepped across the line that is drawn between right and wrong, and we have failed to pay the debt that is due to God and to others. We all have hurt other people, and we have been hurt by them. So Psalm 32 that we read from talks about the joy of forgiveness, the joy of finally admitting to God and maybe finally admitting to ourselves that we are sinners, that we have messed up, and finding amazingly that God will forgive the guilt of our sin if we'll be honest and stop trying to hide it. I know from my own experience that I cannot feel fully forgiven by God even if I confess my specific sins to God and to another person, if I'm not practicing forgiveness towards others. I don't think I'm the only one who has difficulty in forgiving. I know I'm not. And remember, there are three groups that we need to forgive. We need to forgive God. Some of us are sitting here with huge resentment against God. The things that happened in our lives that we think God should have stopped or prevented. We need to forgive other people, and then many of us still need to forgive ourselves. It amazes me that even though I'm very aware of my own need for forgiveness from God and from others, I can still be reluctant to offer forgiveness to other people. We all know what it feels like to be forgiven by someone, at least I sure hope we do, But I suspect that many of us also know what it feels like when someone withholds forgiveness. I will never forget the joy, amazement, and relief I experienced many years ago when I was forgiven a debt, not a financial one, but I was forgiven a debt that I knew I couldn't possibly pay. I realized, though, that I wasn't sure that I would be able to accept the debt being canceled. Even if that miracle should happen, even if I could screw up my courage and admit that I couldn't pay. And then it struck me, if I couldn't accept that grace from another human being, had I really accepted what Jesus had done by dying for me on the cross so that all of my sin could be forgiven? I want to encourage us to realize that there are not only privileges but also responsibilities of the forgiveness we're offered by God. God is willing to forgive us our failures, 
So we have to be willing to do no less for others. You know the most important words to learn and use frequently. You know what they are. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And please forgive me. If you learn those words, they will help all of your relationships be better. Do we forgive frequently? We can't come asking forgiveness from God when we're refusing to give forgiveness and be reconciled to other people. If we're not on speaking terms with someone, we're being dishonest to come and try to be on speaking terms with God. We have the responsibility to pass on the forgiveness we have received from God. And if you think this is a bit of a a stretch, go home tonight and read Matthew 18. It's Jesus' parable of the unforgiving servant. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, there is the line, you will recall, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. William Barclay says that the literal meaning of that phrase is forgive us our sins in proportion as we forgive those who have sinned against us. He says it's the most frightening petition in the Lord's Prayer. Dale Bruner prefers the translation, forgive us our debts as we too have forgiven our debtors. We know that we can only pray the Lord's Prayer because of what Jesus has already done for us. But how much do we appreciate the forgiveness won for us by Christ's death on the cross? Forgiveness is our deepest need. And Dale Bruner says that to be able to ask God the Father simply to wipe out our debt and to overlook sins is absolutely breathtaking. We must not forget that we follow the one who was able to say to God the Father while Jesus was dying on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Lou Sneeds, one of our wonderful, wonderful professors at Fuller who passed away this last year, has written many books on forgiveness. And he describes the four stages of the process of forgiveness. He says, we hurt, we hate, hopefully then we heal, and then especially if God intervenes and helps us, there is a reconciliation and there's a coming back together. And he says, our hurt brings us to the first stage of forgiving, the critical stage at which we have to make a simple decision. Do we want to be healed? Or do we want to go on suffering from an unfair hurt lodged in our memory? Will we let our pain hang on to our hearts where it will eat away our joy? Or will we use the miracle of forgiving to heal the hurt we didn't deserve? The hurt that creates a crisis of forgiving, he says, has three dimensions. It's always personal, it's unfair, and it's deep. When we feel this kind of pain, he says, we have a wound that can be healed only by forgiving the very one who wounded us. The second stage of the process is hate, which, of course, eventually needs healing because hate is a malignancy. It's dangerous. It's deadly if it runs its course. The third stage of healing is when we see the person in a new light. Our memory is healed. We turn back the flow of pain and we are set free again. 
And we know that forgiveness has begun, I know I do, when we can recall those who hurt us and feel the power to wish them well. The fourth stage is coming together when we invite the person, maybe, back into our lives, if that is appropriate and possible. And love can move us toward a new and healed relationship. Forgiving, he says, is not forgetting, it's not excusing or smothering conflict, it's not acceptance, and it's not tolerance. He writes this, Forgiving is the only way to heal the wounds of a past we cannot change and cannot forget. We discover the humanity of the person who wronged us. This is the important piece. We surrender the right to get even. And we wish that person well. When we forgive, we bring in light where there was darkness. We open the door to an unseen future that our painful past had shut. And he points out that the first and often the only person to be healed by forgiveness is the person who does the forgiveness. You can't be responsible for the other person's response. But when we genuinely forgive, he says we set a prisoner free. And then we discover that the prisoner was us. I finally became weary of the burden of unforgiveness in my own life but I wasn't able to offload all of it at once. God worked patiently with me as he taught me about forgiveness and how to travel more lightly through life. In particular, I knew that I needed to forgive my parents, my eldest sister, and a close friend. And this has taken years. Jesus gives us the example of humility, simplicity, and gentleness. These will help us when we need to learn about forgiveness and we can get beyond our pride and our self-righteousness and we will find rest for our souls. So I'm going to tell you briefly um, the story of forgiveness with my sister. This is years ago now. I was on a trip to England and I knew that this was one of the things I had to accomplish during that time. But I didn't know how I was going to do it. If I'm honest, my sister and I hated each other. We had for years. We're very similar. And I said to God, but I don't know where to start. I don't even know what to do. And I remember God's response as clearly as if Jim had said it to me. I did not hear an audible voice, but I heard God say, you will ask her to forgive you. I said, excuse me? What was that you said, God? I wanted to protest. I wanted to have him say something different. I wanted a different plan. I was stunned, but God gave me the grace to obey the simple instruction. I sat down with my sister. I said I wanted to talk with her, and I asked her to forgive me for all the ways in which I had hurt her. I will never forget that it changed everything. I had a sister back. I'm the youngest. She's the eldest. She wanted to have my input into her life. She wanted to spend time with me. It was wonderful. And then quite unexpectedly, I did not even ask for this. The next day, she asked me to forgive her. It was another burden lifted and I could travel lighter than I had before. 
Now, the other story I want to tell you tonight is that I've learned by God's grace that it's never too late to mend a relationship. It's never too late to ask or give forgiveness. Now, many of you here are too young to have had any broken relationship in your life for decades, but there are some of us here for whom that can be true. And if you're sitting there, or even the younger ones of you, um, you know, I have kids who are 13 and 17. I know all the stuff that can go on in high school. I'm sure you've got a few resentments tucked away there to somebody. Um, But if you've had a long-standing one, and you think, well, it was now... 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago that I said I will never ever speak again to so-and-so or I will never ever want to see them again or any family gathering they go to I won't go to or whatever it might be. I want to encourage you with my story. Because the miracle of forgiveness can bring healing and maybe, yes, even reconciliation even if you've had a broken relationship for years. I decided before I left on my sabbatical that when I was in England, and more specifically when I was in London, at the end of my time, that I would finally contact the woman who had been my best friend in high school. And I had not been in touch with her for over 20 years. And this, I am not proud to say, she had tried to be back in touch with me. I um, was not in the place to uh, be in contact with her. So, many of you know I'm a deadline person, and I only do things when I absolutely have to. So, I think, did I tell you that I told my small group, I told other people that this was my intention to make sure that I would do it, because I knew they would ask me. Accountability is a wonderful Christian discipline. So, was I telling you how late I left it? Oh, I was flying home on the Saturday. When did I call my friend? Oh, probably by the Thursday. God in his graciousness had it all synchronized and she was available on the Friday. I went to her home, um, had a meal with her and her family. We have begun to rebuild our friendship. And we have given each other the gift of forgiveness and we are starting over. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. The giving and receiving of forgiveness, first from God to us, and then from us to others. And it does help not to wait so long. We need God's help through the power of the Holy Spirit to make us willing to admit when we are refusing to forgive. We need the searchlight of the Holy Spirit, even though it's uncomfortable, to show us where those resentments and those grudges and that bitterness has crept in. We need the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts so that we're open even to the idea for some people of the possibility of forgiveness and reconciliation. This is one of the key ways we can learn to travel light as we obey Jesus' instructions as we willingly take his yoke upon us. I've learned that I need to forgive even if the other person is unaware that they have hurt me. I have learned that I need to forgive and not wait or even expect that the other person will admit that they did anything wrong, let alone ask for my forgiveness. And I certainly am not to wait until I can somehow think I can get them to beg or grovel or whatever else we think the other person needs to do before we will 
condescend to forgive them. You know why we command you to forgive? It's for our own health, physical, spiritual, mental health. It does set the other person free, but the person it blesses most really is yourself. That's why Jesus tells us to do it. We can truly learn how to travel light when we really absorb God's grace into the core of our being. I mean, just constantly remember what we, everything that we have had to be forgiven for. And then out of gratitude, we can be willing to forgive others. My struggling this summer with my luggage in Europe is a picture of how burdened our lives can become, weighed down by cares and concerns, which in time become unbearable. Jesus invites us to live a different way, to learn from him how to find rest for our souls, how to travel light. And I hope that each one of us will accept his invitation this evening. One way to do this is to become people who forgive frequently. And so I want to give you another picture of traveling light and flying free living life following Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the image I have is that of an eagle soaring. If you've had the joy of seeing one or any bird, they're just totally free and they just soar and it's just glorious to watch. So early one morning this summer when I was at the seaside, as we call it in England, at the beach, with my parents, I had had a wonderful time with them the previous night and I got up early and went and sat and overlooked the ocean. And I listened in the cool morning air and I wrote this, Soar like an eagle. And this is also God's invitation to us tonight. I want you to soar like an eagle. You can't if you stay on the ground. I want you to climb to the mountaintop. You ask, where can the courage be found? I want you to let go of the past and all your regrets and your pain. This is the day I give you to live. Choose to live by my power in my name. I want you to break free from your doubts, from your sin, your fears, and your loss. I already know all about them, so lay them at the foot of the cross. I want to bring you new life, abundant, full, and free. Let go. Give up. Surrender and receive this new life from me. I will give you the courage and everything you need to soar with my spirit and climb to the heights, to trust me, to let go, to be free. I will take care of the past, of the doubts, the regrets, all the mess. Today I am asking you once again to follow me and to give me your yes. I'll be right there by your side, giving you strength and power. You are my beloved one. I'm with you each moment, each hour. So come with me and soar like an eagle. Experience this new life I give. Relinquish your old way of life to me and begin your new life to live. Please pray with me. Loving God, we thank you for your invitation to us this night to travel light, to learn how to rest, to learn how to forgive, 
others and ourselves, and yes, even you. You invite us to soar with you on the wings of your spirit. Be with us, Lord, now as we come and confess our sin to you. You are a holy, perfect, just God. And we are people broken, hurting, who are all too aware, many of us, of how messed up we are and how frequently we have disappointed you, even disappointed ourselves, rebelled against you, hurt other people, done all kinds of things that even we wish we hadn't done. And we have not done many things that you would have had us do. Lord, help us. And help us come to you now in the silence. And maybe, Lord, tonight we would dare to ask that you would show us if there is anyone that we need to ask forgiveness from, and if there is anyone that we are refusing to forgive. Lord, show us, give us the names, give us the courage to do something about it. We will listen now to you. Lord, we ask you to soften our hearts. We ask you to help us be willing to be people who forgive others readily and often, and yes, as many times as they need it, because we are utterly dependent on your forgiveness over and over and over again. So we thank you that you are a merciful, gracious, and loving God, And that the table that you have set for us is because you promised and have promised to forgive us if we will come and confess to you. So we thank you for speaking to us this night. Help us to grow and to learn how to follow your example, especially in the area of forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.